This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. They were left to their own devices with no oversight for a very long time. And Willis. If there's every possible like variation, then there's Superman out there that have mustaches. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. So it turns out that there is some problems with the way that the industry might be shaping up or running, and that has to do with theaters, that has to do with storytelling, that has to do with the streaming model, all of that stuff. There's... there's there's some problems afoot, and which yes. is why a lot of the guilds are striking right now to try and remedy those problems. But we're going to talk all about that stuff today. Uh, we got multiversal storytelling, first and foremost, because that is really, really popular. Yeah. Not just in fandom, but kind of everywhere, because it kind of opens up the possibilities for your movie and or TV show to infinite possibilities, which yeah. is Endless. both good and bad, and we'll talk about that. Um, we also have some insight as to the the, the PVOD numbers for uh, Universal specifically yeah. and why they might be pushing to have movies hit VOD sooner rather than later. So yes. we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to try and get some kind of uh, a grip around the current streaming model and how it might be falling a bit short of what yeah. everyone would like it to be on the consumer end and on the studio's end, because there's some problems. Uh, yeah. But before we do that, let me run through some of the weekly releases here, because we got a couple big ones. Uh, for theatrical, we got three movies uh, hitting theaters on the 16th. We have The Blackening, which could be kind of funny. I don't know. I'm kind of out on these scary movie-style movies since the early 2000s. It could be funny, though. I'm not really sure. Uh, We have Pixar's new movie, Elemental, which I do not know how to feel about. I want it to do well. Theatrical release. Yeah. Yeah. Which is big. Yeah. Um, But Pixar, man, they're really not what they once were, and I don't know if they could ever get back there. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And then the big one. We got The Flash. It's here. It's here. It's actually here. (laughs) And uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. As of this, as of this release of this episode, it will be like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see, like, actually start seeing reviews and stuff come in for it, like real ones too, not like yeah. gun to your head. Talk about yeah. how good this movie is. Um, not yeah. like, oh my god, Tom Cruise called us to tell us how good it is. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'm sure he did that. Yeah, and and I'm also curious to see how the box office is this weekend because this is one of the first ones where I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. Um, so that's what we got for theatrical, for streaming, for shows. We got our Planet 2 coming to Netflix on the 14th, the full Monty hitting Hulu on the 14th. I didn't know that was coming until a couple days ago. Me neither, which is very yeah. odd. Things, yeah. It I don't comes get, fast. Marketing is weird these days. Um, yeah. Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Paramount+. I'm actually excited about that because I somehow timed it that I just finished the first season of that like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And now it's here and I'm like, oh. Perfect. Sweet. You just got to stretch it out for like two years and then you get another season. Yeah. Um, That's the one with young Kirk's dad? It's, no, it's um, Commander Pike, Captain Pike. That's right. That's right. Which there's, there is a Kirk in there, but. Right, right, right. Uh. James Kirk was like the Captain Kirk was like in it right. in like a parallel kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, this is a good show. I've watched a couple of episodes yeah. and it is a good Star Trek show. Yeah. Um Swiping America coming to Max on the 15th. Uh Black Mirror season six coming to Netflix on the 15th. I didn't think as this well. would ever come. Me neither. I kind of would thought they'd just be like, yeah, we're done. We're done. The world is Black Mirror now. So yeah. put strap on your Apple Vision and Dive right in. And then we got The Righteous Gemstones coming back for season three on HBO. Matt, or it said HBO, but I'm assuming it's just coming to Max as well. Like it's a yeah. Max. Well, that's, you know. I. we were saying, uh, or we will say on Tuned In on mm. Sunday, um, there's still a, a, a differentiation between HBO and Max. Right. And the, like the content they're putting out. I don't know if Righteous Gemstones is just like. It started as an HBO show, so now it's an HBO show, but they're still right. holding on to their brand in some capacity. 
which makes a lot of sense because damn HBO is because it's HBO. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what we got for shows for movies. Amy Schumer's new special emergency contact hit Netflix on the 13th and then let's go extraction Two hitting Netflix on the 16th. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I, I didn't really like the first extraction. I watched it like a week ago. I was like, this yeah. is fucking stupid, but the action is good. So who knows? We'll here see. Here comes another one. Yeah, here we go. Hemsworth. So that's what we got coming this week. And without further ado, let's talk a little bit about the industry. So the multiverse is something we have only just wrapped our minds around. I think the first instance of mainstream huge IP using multiverse, was it into the Spider-Verse? Was that the first time we saw that in like that scale? We got scale? into like multi yeah. versal kind of stuff. Um, At that level? Like I'm sure it was before that, but... I would suppose... Anything like that was pre end game. That was yeah. pre No Way Home, obviously. Yeah. Um Yeah, I suppose it would be. Which is the only weird. thing I can think is like there's the, the alternate thing at the end of Justice League. Oh. Um, but that I don't think really counts. Because mm. I don't think that's really multiversal and like That's true. Um Well, Regardless, since yeah. about 27, 2018, 2017, 2018, which is not that long ago, like if you think about it, because it feels like yeah. we're like, oh, wow, can we just, you know, get through this? But it's only been five, six years. And now it's kind of become like a fallback mechanism for a lot of these different, especially superhero facing or based shows and movies because it yeah. opens your world up to infinite possibilities we saw this in loki we saw this in no way home we've seen this a lot now and for me i kind of didn't think much about it at first until you start to think about the stakes of what's going on in these movies yeah and understanding that one the studios don't care about that they're caring about like okay if rdj keeps money flowing we're going to bring yeah. him back. And now we have the opportunity to do so. Um, but it kind of cheapens the the impact of some of these things. If you know, like, there's infinite worlds out there with yeah. this same character, infinite Well, your times. stakes can only be so high. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, which I think is kind of a problem, especially for these superhero movies, which people are already becoming fatigued with yeah and if it's not something as contained which is funny to say it about this movie but as contained as everything everywhere is it's like a small movie that's not going to get a sequel or anything yeah it's a lot where it's like it can't i mean when you attach it to these giant ips that can keep expanding and expanding and expanding out you know right i mean like there's no reason that i mean you look at multiverse of madness dr strange there like there's no reason that that couldn't just have continued to roll out and like there's no reason that you know, there was so much hype around that movie beforehand that like, oh, like Blade's going to be in it. Like Wesley Snipes Blade's going to be in it. Like, uh, right. you know, all of this different stuff is going to be in it. Um, right. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like it could be, but like it doesn't necessarily matter. Right. And we saw this. Like, well, we saw this in Multiverse of Madness where they did a whole sequence that was just a troll job. It was like, this is not anything. We're just going to yeah. throw it in your face. And it's like. I get that that was for a gag, and I appreciated that gag. Yeah. But what does that mean? Like, what does that actually mean for that universe? It's like, you didn't see Across the Spider-Verse yet, but there are moments that are supposed to be meaningful for all of these characters to get from this point to the next and make mm -hmm. it into their hero's journey, which is something that Across the Spider-Verse is about. I was watching Multiverse of Madness and I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, so what does this mean for this universe that, spoilers for Multiverse of Madness, Wanda just kills the Avengers? In, yeah. Like, the Illuminati, yeah. Yeah, the Illuminati. It's like, is that, is that not yeah. a big well, fucking problem I mean, for that that's universe? the whole thing, yeah, is like, like you know, what? if they're, like, so to, to continue that train of thought, like, yeah. so if they had a whole thing with Thanos and whatnot, et cetera, et cetera. And then Wanda comes in, wipes out their defense. Yeah. Like arguably like Kang is still coming down the line in that right. universe. And they're just like fucked, yeah. um, which I think is like kind of the point, like mm. 
theoretically that makes Wanda killing all of them like a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. But it's also not because we're not going to go back to that universe. True. Like, it's just like a, whoa, fuck those guys. Right. That was interesting. Yeah. These characters, yeah. I mean, these characters don't necessarily have to have an impact on anything, you know, like there is 100% a chance that we could get Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man back despite the fact that he's dead. Right. You know, that is an easy thing to write in the current climate. Right. But it's just like, yeah, I know. And it's interesting. So we were talking about the Flash and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. Michael Shannon yep. made a comment of like, yeah, like this, it's, it's weird. Let me find the actual quote here. Um, he, he, he kind of was like, this is very unsatisfying for me. Yeah. Like, because he's, <laughs> I had a so conclusion. Zod, Zod is being brought back as like a plot device as opposed to a full character, which like say what you will about the DCU, like Zod was a villain. And I put sick. a lot of Michael Shannon's like actor work like behind that being so memorable a hundred percent and like it comes in here and it's like yeah you can step back in but it's like there's i'm sure and haven't seen flash but i'm sure there's no necessarily like character arc to be had in his character right i think the idea is going to be you are supposed to remember what he did there and bring that as the character work for flash and like who this character is and what they want and all that kind of stuff and like I can see him being like, yeah, that's not much of an exciting thing because it's like, here's what you did before. Um, do that. Like same objective, same mannerism, same everything. Just redo this character. And it's been a decade. Like Man of Steel was 2013. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't know. That can't be a lot of fun for these actors. Um, No. And. It's weird because I think, I mean, I'm not a big comic book reader, but I, I mean, this is just, we should have seen this coming. You know, it's the, the multiverse, especially in Marvel, like, it's a thing. It just is. Yeah. There are many universes. There are many Earths. Like, that's just part of the thing. And um, I think just making sure that audiences were ready for it, I guess, but also, like, you know, I mean, spoilers for Multiverse of Madness again, but, like, we got Xavier back, and it's like... We watched his yeah. conclusion in Logan. Like, I don't want to see... And Hugh Jackman is coming back for Deadpool. And I'm like, I don't want to see Hugh Jackman in Deadpool. Like, yeah. I don't care. And, like, why are they doing that? Because the Ryan Reynolds-Hugh Jackman thing. But I'm like, just make a good movie, you know? And, you know, obviously yeah. Keaton is in The Flash. And I'm like, but why? Like, is there yeah. something that's... Well, it's... <laughs> like, why? Yeah, it's very much fan... I mean, we've talked on this podcast I know. before. It's very much fan service. Like, and that's all there is to it which is just like not as artistically engaging i guess yeah and like not and like we were saying like the stakes are like if anything happens it can be it's uh it's like one of those things um i think in rick and morty where they're just like yeah "Yeah, if we fuck up too bad we'll just go to a different universe and continue there like (laughs) yeah you know all right yeah and it's right there it goes um yeah so yeah less impactful storytelling i guess is where we're landing yeah. Um, and less, and I, less fun. Less fun. And I want to, I'm kind of wondering when this will become too much for audiences yeah. and being like, oh, well, okay, he's back again. Like, do we really yeah. give a shit this time? My thing is, I'm a little sad that we're going in the direction of different universes are all the same actor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was the nice thing in, um, in no way home where it's Mm -hmm. like here are three different people which is like a lot of people have an issue with that of like that doesn't make any sense like you know why would they all look different sure but like just imagine if we were getting a general zod by another actor and it's just like yeah this is general zod you know general zod but this general zod is from a different universe right and like may have different ambitions may have different this like you know that's a more interesting thing but that's not where we're going. We're going here is, you know, Wanda it just wants her kids in every right universe right. and is played by Elizabeth Olsen and Benedict Cumberbatch and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Right. When it fits the narrative that they want to tell, they'll do it. And um, 
Yeah. But then you go to Spider-Verse and you're like, every Spider-Man is a different person. It's like, it just yeah. is the way that is. And it's what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. It's not the person. It's like, this yeah. is the There's the like situation. quarterstones, yeah. you know, but like they're all reacting differently off of them. Totally. Which so. it'll be interesting to see if the multiple characters of the Flash in the Flash have any variation or if it's just the same. Oh, you're right. Because Supergirl yeah so it's like what <laughs> like Whatever. that's gonna be a thing like is our you know is at the end of flash are we gonna see like is there gonna be a second henry cavill superman stinger <laughs> you know like and he has a mustache <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate that would be the most james gunn thing ever to i know do also of just like here's mustache superman I'd respect it. I would respect it. <laughs> Which he'd then have to end his Superman movie with Superman growing a mustache. You know what? It is what it is. Multiverse, man. If every, is possible. If there's every possible like variation, then there's Superman out there that have mustaches. Exactly. It's just Omni-Man, but not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This will be interesting, but I wonder how fast the Flash is going to hit VOD. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's going to come pretty quick. It has to, right? I will bet any money they uh, they try and land as much as they can on this, like, before. Well, I don't know. I mean, if it's great, then they could milk it forever. Who knows? It is true. But we've learned a little bit. We're transitioning now, folks. Sorry for that whiplash there. But yeah. uh, we're transitioning into talking about VOD because... Over the last uh, probably three or so years at this point, movies that hit theaters are going to video on demand rapidly, sometimes yeah. within a matter of a couple weeks. Usually it's about a month. Um, I think at the beginning it was like a three-week window or something like yeah. that um, before it went because theaters weren't really open, but now they're yeah. open and Well, and they're some booming. are still releasing simultaneously. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm not sure where the delineation is for that but you know it is yeah. what it is but yeah for the longest time i haven't been able to wrap my mind around why that was happening because it seemed like well top gun maverick made two billion dollars avatar way of water made two billion dollars the mario movie is making a billion dollars like we're, we're making shovelfuls of money yeah but we've got a little insight now as to why they might want to do that yes so apparently from Universal, this is from Universal Studios, the split between the studio and whatever platform they release it on, whether it be Apple, whether it be Amazon Prime, uh, whatever VOD platform it is, the split is roughly 80-20 for the studios. And yeah. now keep in mind, these movies that go from theaters right to a VOD are 25 bucks to buy. So it's actually more to buy yeah. it off of the VOD site than it is to go and see it in an IMAX theater. Yes, and they're making 80 percent. I mean, that's a pretty good margin. Mm-hmm. And you got to imagine that, like, if any of them have Apple involved at all, it's like even better because Apple's like, well, we'll just put this up here, you know. Um, exactly. Exactly. Like, what was the movie that Apple just co put out? Well, Killers will be. That's what I'm thinking of. Killers. Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Which is yeah. going to for sure hit a theater. Um so the other half of that equation is that when a movie goes to a theater, apparently the deal that has been struck, at least from Universal, the theater gets 50% and then you, and yeah. then Universal gets 50%. So obviously it's not an 80-20 split. And once again, greed wins over and they're just going to put it out to where they make the biggest amount of, yeah. uh, of dollar signs. Which is unfortunate because it's... I mean, I, it makes total sense. It it literally does. Unfortunately, yeah, it makes the total economics sense. check out. Yeah, like even though movies are crushing it, and I I mean I would be you know I'm interested to see if any of the other studios release anything like that. Although I don't know why they would. Um. <laughs> but it, it's not hard to believe that that's probably a pretty universal, universal. no pun, but like yeah, a pretty universal like standard for it. Right. In that, like, yeah, the 50-50 thing, I'm like, for a very, very long time, theaters had studios right where they wanted them. You know what I mean? It's like, here's the only way you have to get your product out. 
right. we're going to make this an equitable deal for both of us. Right. You know, but like only just you're not going to get like a, a tip off of any of that, you know. Right. Um, And, you know, a 50 50 split is like that's how it's been for a while. And there's no reason for theaters to change that really. Right. Especially given how much theaters have been struggling. Totally. But like if the economics are like, yeah, like we put this out for 20 bucks on PVOD. Um, yeah. That money just makes sense. It, it totally does. And, uh, and I mean, it makes sense for the 50-50 split too because it's like, well, theaters have actual overhead. There's people working there. You've got to run yeah. the actual theater. There's not like a server that you have to maintain for Absolutely. Amazon, yeah. you know? It, but it's just like... <sighs> It's one of those things where we want to see theaters come back and it seems like everyone wants to see theaters come back, but then everything is in place for that not to happen as well as it could. Like, you know, yeah. movies are almost not doing better than they ever were, but they're doing just as well almost like 2019 yeah. numbers, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've definitely, I think, in terms of viewership and economics in the film industry and stuff like that, well, right. in the distribution industry gotten past covid totally you know we're back we're back to where we would be should be could right. be etc right but yeah i mean it's one of those like we want to see theaters come back but like if economically it just continues to be a drain like it's it's going to be tough i know you know um but also it's a weird kind of thing because you have to look on the consumer side with the economics of it and say like, well, if it's cheaper for me to go see it in IMAX, right, which has a higher perceived volume, like, right, then I'm gonna do that. <sighs> it's weird. It is weird. I, I don't really know where I land on this either because like I, I like going to the theater as much as probably more than the next person, but like when there is a movie that I can just fire up at home because mm -hmm. some of them aren't twenty five bucks, some of them are like six, seven yeah. bucks. I'm very appreciative of that, you know, when I'm like, well, I couldn't see this anywhere besides going to like some, you know, a theater that's four, like 40 miles away in some yeah. like random town. But at the same time, I'm like the, the, the way that everything is set up, I'm just like, there's too many options almost. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously an oversaturation with movies and TV, but it's with like, everything, yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, three weeks in a theater before it hits streaming, if not less, it's like yeah. you're not even really giving it a chance. But to the other on the other side of that, most movies see like a fifty to seventy percent drop in well, that becomes theater revenue. A question in that of like, is everyone who's going to go see a movie in theaters seeing it in theaters in the first three weeks, and right. then it's like you know if that buildup of viewers in the like first release kind of thing drops off to a point where it's like, look, even if we have like an X number of people buying it or renting it on PVOD, right. That's going to make us more than who are still going to be going into the theaters. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, it, it all makes sense. It's just, it's a, a tough situation for like theater owners. It is. And I think that movies, Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that movies, um, and obviously TV, but movies have become so much less of like a let's go out and do something type of thing yeah. because of streaming. It's like, oh, well, we could just fire something up here. It's not as much of an event as it usually was, as it used to be. Sure. And like, you know, going to an IMAX, going to a Dolby, going to even like if you're at an Alamo draft house, like that still feels like an event. But yeah. like we don't have that many IMAX theaters left and and if the only movies that people want to go see are the super Mario bros movie and you know, spider verse, it's like, yeah, you got to make, you got to make people want to go to a theater and check this yeah. out and be like, there's something worth seeing. And I'll be honest, man, not a lot enough <laughs> to push your numbers up high enough to merit like the 50% right. margin. Yeah. Right. But it's not like it used to be like you used to, like you said, the theaters forced their hand. You used to yeah. have to go to a theater. You couldn't see anything for a year plus. Until it yeah. released. Until it hit DVD, yeah, which was yeah. like the whole home industry, or DVD or VHS or whatever afterwards, which is the whole industry in of itself, which is like, yeah, even that, like DVDs still had way bigger overhead than streaming does. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Like a DVD still had a physical copy to be made and physical goods to be like 
processed and whatnot. Whereas like you said earlier, streaming is literally just like load this up on a server and yeah. this server is being paid for not only by this, but for everything else that's on this server, which could right. be, you know, millions of titles. Definitely. I don't know. I feel like I keep landing in the same thing of like, it makes sense. I, you know, it does. Unfortunately, it's a different landscape yeah. and, and things. Have it changed. is interesting. Um, I've watched more movies on PVOD this year than any other platform. Mm. You know, I've paid for 14 movies this year um, and 13 I've watched on HBO Max. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 12 on Netflix and 12 on Peacock. But like. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm like, I don't have a problem and I haven't bought any of them. The only one I've bought is The Whale because I had to. Because you had to. Um, But yeah, all of those have been like rentals and I have done like $20 rentals on a few of them. But like. Yeah. Yeah, that was during that Oscar insanity. Where we were like, you know. Where I'm going to watch everything. Yeah. (laughs) Which we did to ourselves. Yeah. Um, So not worth it. No, no. I'm glad I did it one year, you know. (laughs) I'm glad I did it, but I'm also like. Never again. I'm like, I didn't need to. We knew what the foreign language was going to. Which foreign language was going to win. I didn't need to watch all of those. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with like foreign language films. But no, like, but yeah, we knew we knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, there were a couple cinematography ones too that could have been like, that's not going to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't. Yeah. If you haven't seen Bardo, don't watch Bardo. Um, yeah, we're getting we're getting away. Anyways, here, we're but, way, uh, <laughs> way off topic at this point. But yeah, it's 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 odd. And I'm glad that someone was transparent about the number breakup because it yeah. makes sense now. I'm like, that's why, that's why it's happening. I don't have to wonder. It sucks. Well, it'll be interesting if that can tip something a little bit, if we can start getting a little more transparency. You know? Honestly, I don't see why not unless it's, you know, unsavory, but, but yeah. So that is, I guess, one not even i was gonna say that's one of the problems with streaming it's not even a problem it's just something that's happened it's just how the industry is shaped these days but that's not to say that there aren't problems with the streaming model because oh boy there are some massive issues with the streaming model and we're not going to talk about all of it right now because it's impossible to cover but we're going to talk a little bit about some of the issues that are being faced by not just the streamers, but the studios and writers and a lot of the people who are striking right now and are going to be potentially striking in the future. Yep. Um, where do I even start with this? <sighs> Basically, one, Netflix is fully to blame for where everything is <laughs> yes. at this moment because I mean, they were left to their own devices with no oversight for a very long time. Yeah. So, I mean, well, and that's like, we'll start with the Netflix kind of changed the game and made the industry yeah. into their own image. Yes. Which at the time when Netflix was building this, like the way they were going about it was very tech industry versus movie industry, right. which like didn't really require like a fiscal responsibility kind of thing. And that model, I mean, and like the Netflix model was super successful and changed everything and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that model kind of leaked into all of the other streamers that opened up and all the other production houses. Um, Right. And is something like, it's like a house of cards kind of thing. No pun intended. No pun intended. You know, like it's a thing where like it's, it's not built on anything. Yes. You know, we look at, so many things that are based on the valuation of a company versus like their actual bottom line. And like, that's all well and good. And that's great when you can say you're a billion dollar company, you know, Mm -hmm. that hasn't turned a profit, but when it comes down to it and suddenly you actually have to like pay this stuff and like, make sure, I mean, we've been seeing for the past, I'd say probably about year now, like Netflix really going, Whoa, okay, let's, let's pump the brakes and like, right. Figure out a way to be fiscally like, responsible and feasible um, right which they've done to a degree i mean yeah you know they're definitely way more locked down on uh (laughs) their spending than they once were totally Um, and we're definitely seeing all of these other companies doing the same thing i mean we've talked at length about max and their write downs and their tax breaks and et cetera et cetera you know we've talked about Disney consolidating. We've talked about Paramount consolidating, like all this different right. stuff. Um, because like, 
yeah, we we're living in a wild time and I think we're coming to the end of that time. A hundred percent. And I think one of the big things is like you said, it's not about showing the money that you've made. It's about showing that you can continue to grow whatever that means, whether that means with content or with popularity or whatever. And, yeah. you know, just because you throw more money at a problem doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to solve it, which what Netflix was doing for a long time, because again, they didn't have to compete with anyone. It was like everyone just had yeah. Netflix and everyone was giving them, you know, at the time what it was at nine bucks a, a month you know 300 million people were doing that every month they were yeah. cool they were chilling no they didn't have to crank well, out and they content. showed growth consecutively right. over and over it's like yeah we're still growing we're still making money we're still making more money than we were right and then that didn't happen right now i wonder was that right when covid hit i mean because i think they were struggling a little bit before that but all of these streamers just emerged during that so it's well, like but so covid hiked them up because right. everyone was at home watching like COVID True. hit and everyone got locked down and everyone went, I need content. Right. And Netflix went through the roof and that was, I think Disney's first year they posted 86 million users, mm -hmm. which is insane. Yeah. You know? Um, and then like, was it, I think it was HBO max finally landed mm -hmm. and it's like, well, I guess not its current form, but in the HBO max form, as opposed right. to like go or now or whatever. Right. Um, but like that's the thing is like these all did great during COVID and like gave us almost false numbers maybe. Probably. I don't want to say false numbers, but like inflated things where they're like, totally. we will always continue to grow. And they spent and spent and spent and spent. Right. Took on billions and billions in debt to like grow their library. Right. And all of these streamers were just blowing cash and at this point, it's still kind of in that mode of let's spend money to make money, even though that obviously yeah. doesn't make sense. But it's like Silicon Valley tech bros. That's their mantra. Yes. Yes. And it's like you're spending money hand over fist because you think that that's going to solve your problem when really we can't even watch all the stuff that you're putting out now. Like you yeah. could stop making shows for four to ten years and I still wouldn't be able to catch up on what we have. I had this I had this conversation with my wife the other day. I feel like they could stop making content today everything and i would not run out of stuff before i died there's no way there's like just the, just on netflix the number alone of things well, i don't know on netflix but like the number there's of things so that i'm like you know i'm seasons behind on better call saul and i really like better call saul and i want to catch up but i'm so far behind and i have yeah. so many other things and i'm like so they could stop and i'd be like oh this is like kind now i have of time Nice. I will catch up on all this stuff. And after a while, I'd run out of stuff I want to catch up on. But there's still massive, massive libraries of stuff that's been created in the past hundred years that I'm like, right. Yeah. So not to say that I want them to stop making content. I drastically do not. Right. Um, but the thing that we're seeing is these streamers starting to tighten their belts and pump the brakes on how much content they're creating. Totally. Which is what I think is causing a lot of the issues in the industry. Right. It's true. And to get even more like granular about it, it's what these streamers are producing because we've moved out of the, like there are still sitcoms and like kind of like week to week procedural shows, but the prestige television model, which really is like miniseries, that should maybe have been a movie, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Everyone who's that's trying to copy what HBO did, it's becoming something where it's like, we need TV isn't supposed to just be like this. Like they're they're they've kind of like narrowed their viewpoint into just making stuff like this and focusing and throwing tons of money at. I mean, we talked a little bit about Sam Levinson's The Idol, like giving this guy just tons of money to do whatever he wants yep. to. Taylor Sheridan just here's fifty different contracts, just keep throwing shows at us. It's like, yeah, we we've lost the mid tier, and we've talked about this with movies, like. Where's the mid-tier for television shows? Like, there's yeah. sitcoms out there, but besides Abbott, like, what is there? Like, what are yeah. we talking? Well, like? and there's, like, the linear stuff that is the same kind of stuff we've, like, law and order procedurals that we've been getting for decades now that's, like, yeah. fine and there has an audience, but, like, is tired. Yes. You know? 
Uh, there's comedy, there's like linear TV comedies and all that kind of stuff. But like you get to the point where like HBO, I think is the the origin of all of this, of like change the game of like, here is your Sunday night, gritty, dark drama. Multi you know, Emmy winning. Here, yeah. Yeah. Here's the Sopranos. Here's the wire. Here's Oz. Here's six feet under here's Thrones. sex in the city. Here's game of Thrones. Here's this and this and this and this and this and this. And like, that was the bellwether when Netflix started making their own content. I think if I recall correctly, House of Cards was originally going to go to HBO and I'm Netflix sure. Netflix. I was just reading about this the other day. Netflix offered Fincher a two season contract out the gate, mm. which is like insane. Like not yeah. not like not a pilot, not like here's we'll buy one season. It's like we're going to here's at, ordering two guarantee. Seasons. Two seasons, which is insane. And like HBO was like, we can't. Okay, go for it, Netflix. See ya. Yeah. Um, but like the idea that Netflix is trying to steal and do what HBO was doing when HBO has become like, yeah, we're this like gritty drama, you know, hardcore stuff. Right. That like it's just a house of, again, house of cards is kind of just tumbled <laughs> yeah. down to like, yeah, now that's what so much TV drama is. And you get the stuff where like, you know, AMC and Mad Men and Breaking Bad, like, was trying to do the same of like, let's do the HBO thing. Right. You know, um, and there's, I'm, um, yeah, it's, I'm getting away from it here, but I get what you're saying. All of this stuff has been building and building and building. And now we, I feel like we have hit a point where it's like, oh, all of this stuff is unsustainable. Right. You know, and not built on financial data. <laughs> Built on like speculation and stock price. Yes. When Thrones was on before it, they were spending $15 million per episode, it was on HBO, the, sh the, the channel. Yeah. Like, it was, st it wasn't a streaming only thing where there was, you could, there was very clear numbers as to whether or not the show was being, was doing yeah. well or not. Now you can't, you can spend $20 million an episode on a TV show for Disney plus, but you have no idea if it's doing yeah. well. Like it, Kenobi, by all metrics, yeah. probably was a fantastic show that did really well. But like, who who is to know? But we don't know. And here's the thing is like, we say this all the time. We speculate about like, well, there's no metric that goes out. We see like no actual data and all that stuff. But like one of the things I think we're starting to see is that like the people making it don't see it metrics. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Kenobi is a great like example of like. Did Kenobi make money? I, there's like how could you the know? metrics for that is are people drawn to sign up for Disney. Disney Plus to see Kenobi, and that is I think a rudimentary metric to begin with. Totally, but like you have no idea if people are signing up for it for Disney Plus to watch Kenobi, right? You know, we can see like okay, like Kenobi came out and there was like an uptick, but like there's right. nothing to say that like you know, 20% of that couldn't have been to go watch Pixar movies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like who knows? And we'll it's never we know. <laughs> it's weird because I feel like for the longest time in Hollywood, the go-to like mentality was nobody knows anything. Know. Like nobody knows what's going to win. Nobody knows what's going to lose. And like, there was this big thing of like, nope, now we're database. Everyone know like we're going to know because it's going to have data. And it's like, but like we don't. No. We just don't. Like that's not how the that's not how it works. Unless you want to get into the granule. Unless they're willing to give us the granular of like here's how many hours or how many minutes and how far into each episode like everyone watched. Like Right. You know. Right. But it's yeah. Yeah. And on a kind of a semi separate note, there's this whole article from Vulture, which is what we're referencing right now, yeah. which, you know, they, they broke it down and they talked to a bunch of executives as well as creatives in the industry. And one of those creatives was Mike Schur, you know, who show yeah. ran and wrote on The Office and Parks and Rec and The Good Place, Good Place. and like a, a ton of, a ton of like really, really outstanding comedy shows. And um, one thing that he was talking about uh, on the money, like financial side of being paid for these shows, because like, you know, again, everything's changed and you don't get paid the same way as you used to because of yeah. residuals. 
they floated, the streamers would float these kind of performance-based incentives to these showrunners to kind of say like, okay, if your show does, we'll pay you X amount for this season. If it does better, again, I guess, meaning how many people watched it the next season, we'll pay you this much more and then this much more for the season after that. And what they were seeing, or at least what he was seeing, was a lot of these shows wouldn't even make it past season three. Yeah. Likely because they didn't want to pay out that $500,000 season or that $1.5 million season. And they're just like, well, it's good enough. We got three seasons out of it. Who cares? Like, we'll cut our losses now. And it's like, so then was that a loss then? Like, even if it was doing well and you want to just cancel it outright, it's like, like, Stranger Things is only on season five? Like, how many seasons? Like, that's not many seasons. It's been on for like a decade and a half. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's not how shows usually operate. Um, and like we were talking about The Good Place, I think that only made it maybe to season four. And that show could have probably lasted a solid six, seven, eight seasons, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was sorry, good and wait, people watched sorry, it. Sorry, which one did you say? The Good Place. The Good Place. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's which what I thought I heard, yeah. but I was also reading something on my yeah. screen and then my brain was like, wait, did you connect that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's not just this oversaturation of content um, and streamers paying for more content, but also them still being stingy about it and them being yeah. like, we don't really want to pay the creatives for what they're worth. Like, yeah. we want to just get in and get out and get as much eyes on our platform, not even the content, on our platform as possible. Yeah. It's like... I feel like we're in for a very painful decade in this industry. I know. Because it's been like the Wild West for the past decade or so of just like make everything yeah and i don't think that's gonna happen anymore and i think they're gonna get smaller and smaller and need fewer and fewer people and it's just gonna be brutal it will and Um, i'll 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 tell you who's gonna really really feel it is diversity is gonna feel it because that's the stuff that's gonna get cut it's the stuff that has like maybe a slightly smaller percentage of a viewership that stuff's going to get cut and it's mm-hmm. going to suck because we're going to kind of go back to more of we're a gonna, uniform yeah. kind of a thing. And, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but yeah. we'll see. I like happens. to think that like, I like to think that there are groups of people out there that will get pushed away from these big studios and these big streamers and go and find their own, platform and like yeah. spring up like some you know small because i mean we were talking about in the last segment like hosting something on vod is yeah. a way easier and cheaper kind of thing to do than like being able to continually put out movies you know i'm hoping that those people that have been high operating creators mm-hmm. in this space and are gonna get pushed out by this this pullback can I guess I'm talking about the the indie world, <laughs> really. Honestly. Totally. I'm hoping that the indie world can embrace them and can like grow on its own in that way and find platforms beyond just like Netflix and HBO and right. Disney and Prime, Amazon and yeah. Apple, you know, beyond these huge things and say like, you know, yeah, like let's put some really insane stuff on Shutter. Yes. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's get on collectively TV. get together and like do this thing. And, you know, there's not like, you know, 50, 60, 70, 200 million dollars per episode that we're spending here. Right. But like there's a platform here for storytelling. Um, I hope that I hope we find our way to that. I do, too. I am for it. I'm 100 percent for it as well. And really, if you're not only concerned with making money, which is what a lot of this comes down to then what's the problem? Like there should be creatives out there who want to do this. And I know it costs money. It always costs money to get something off the ground. But like the reason that a lot of these studios are running into issues is because they're not concerned with that. Like they're concerned with making the most money that they possibly can yeah. on off of these things. And it's not going well. So it's like maybe focus on the art and the content and like actually crafting stuff that people want to watch and not going for how much we can put out yeah. and how much we can spend on it. Cause like rings of power cost a billion dollars and nobody, nobody talked it. about it. Yeah. I don't like, if that's not a perfect example, I didn't of watch it and I was your, go- <laughs> I was your target audience. I was 100% your target audience. Like, how did um, you not like, <laughs> yeah, 
That's no, a fail. Absolutely. That's a failure of them. Like <laughs> it is. Although we did watch every episode of Citadel. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Which was also a failure by them, but you know what? Yeah. <laughs> For different reasons. But um, so we're gonna see a lot of changes in the next. I mean, forever, yeah. but really a lot of changes in the next 24 months, I would say, especially with I would, the strikes going on. I would say in the next five years. Oh, yeah. It, at the end of, what, 2028, mm-hmm. we're going to be in a whole different industry. Oh, yeah. It's all going to be different. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the same way that, like, from, you know, 2006 to 2010, 11. Yeah. The whole world fucking changed. Massive and it might be a little. might be a little. We'll say, like, 8 to 12. Yeah. 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 Whole thing changed. It's true. God, man. What a what a great time to be doing a podcast about the industry. I it, like it really is because it is <laughs> like we are in a pivot point and like, you know, I I always feel bad because I get to the end of these big complex conversations and I'm like, I have no idea if anything I'm saying is making sense. I feel like it makes sense in my head, but I'm like, yeah. Is it getting across? I hope so. I hope our listeners feel, <laughs> you know, more educated and not just like confused at the end of our episodes. Um, well, educated is not the right word. More informed. No, there you go. I hope that yeah. we're making you think about it. Even if you disagree yeah. with us, keep, it, keep those gears winding in your mind because this shit is not, no, they don't know what they're doing. The studios don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows does. anything. <laughs> oh God. So yeah, that'll do it for this episode. That'll do it. <laughs> Lots of problems running throughout the industry, um, and we'll see. I don't know. We'll just we'll keep tabs, and we'll let you know what continues to happen here. But it is June, yes, which means it is Pride Month, and thus we figured for our recommendation this week, why not recommend a movie that either uh, champions LGBTQ plus uh, stories or is directed by someone who is part of the community, or really anything that has to do with. Um, the community as a whole, which is wide. There's a lot of directors who fall under that category, and there's a lot of films that either are blatantly about one of these topics, or you know, have allegory to, or just simply something that is like you know used within metaphor or um, otherwise. But yeah, there's a lot of films out there. There's a lot of really good films out there. And do, would you like me to go first, or do you want to go sure. first? Sure, you can. You can go first. Okay. So the movie I'm going to recommend in typical Josh fashion is a horror film that you can of find course. on Tubi. So check it out if you have the stomach for it. Uh, and it's Hellraiser because Clive Barker was an openly gay man ah. who was kind of dealing with a lot of his own internal struggle and also kind of going through. There, there's a lot. There, read up about Clive Barker. He's a very, very interesting human being. And uh, Hellraiser is very much an extension of his personal feelings on like sadomasochism and um, that kind of boundary between pleasure and pain. And uh, Hellraiser follows a woman who is basically attempting to revive someone from being deceased in a, mm-hmm. by any means necessary. And um, you are introduced to the puzzle box and the Cenobites and opening this gateway into another dimension. Um, and it's not quite as elaborate as a lot of the other Hellraiser films are because this is it's not really about that other dimension it's really about these people dealing with very human things Um, but it is a wonderful movie it is also a depraved disgusting movie with some outstanding practical effects but I would say if you don't have a high tolerance for that kind of thing maybe stick this maybe you know don't watch Hellraiser but I love it I think it's a (laughs) horror classic it's uh it's it's also very different from your Freddy and your Jason and your Michael Myers. Yeah. It's not that kind of movie at all. It's it's much more more grim and way more in tune with like being introspective, not like go slash and kill someone. It's like let's really dissect what's wrong with these people and what makes them the way they are. Um, yeah. So Hellraiser, it's a banger. The original is a banger. I can't speak to the rest of them, but the first one is great. Um, and it's free on Tubi, so check it out if you so please. There you go. And uh, what is your recommendation, Willis? So I'm torn here between two. Um, Well, I'm okay. I'm going to go with my original thought here. Um, I'm going to go ahead. Okay. I'll I'll qualify it like this. I'm like, Mm. 
I want to raise one um, that I personally love as a movie. My hesitation is I'm like, I'm not sure it's reputation with the gay community. So I don't want to like, Oh, rep, you know, it's an older movie. I don't know. But like, I'm going to just go with it. Um, okay. My recommendation is a 1996 movie called the birdcage. I don't know this movie. Um, Oh, the birdcage. It's such a good movie. It's Robin Williams and Nathan Lane um, ah. directed by Mike Nichols. Uh, it's oh. literally like you could just read the tagline. It is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tagline, a gay cabaret owner and his drag queen companion agree to put up a false straight front so that their son can introduce them to his fiance's right wing moralist parents, Um, (laughs) which is crazy. I mean, it's one of the greatest Robin Williams performances. Nathan Lane is incredible in it. Yeah. Um, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Yeah, it's Gene Hackman and Diane Weiss play the conservative parents. And like it's. (laughs) That's hilarious. Absolutely incredible. Um, I oh love this God. movie so much. I haven't watched this movie in far too long. I try and get my wife to watch it every now and then, but it's like, it's a weird, like, it's a weird, it's an older movie to sell on like a, hey, let's just like watch a movie let's real throw quick. throw this on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But um, yeah, The Birdcage is is classic, classic cinema. Um, yeah, that's my recommendation. Hell yeah. Um, and that's on what? Uh, it's on Paramount Plus. Oh, um, awesome. And then also rentable if you want. Totally. Well, I'm going to, I'm throwing that on my watch list and it made it, it remains like, I mean, I said this at the top, but Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are incredible in this movie. I'm um, sure. Yeah, man, what a cast. It's also like, I look at this and I'm like, I, I haven't watched this in a while. So I'm like, I don't know if this holds up. I don't know. I'm like, I'm hedging my bets because I, I think like, that it but. does just gauging by the people that I follow and their reactions to this movie. Sure. I think Legit. that it, it has held up. <laughs> um, well, that's great. Yes. I'm going to watch that soon. Um, so there you have it, guys. Happy there Pride Month. Happy um, Pride Month. I know it's tough right now, especially because it's... There's a lot going because on. Because the world. Yeah. And the world sucks, but be who you are. Be unapologetic about it. Amen. And uh, yeah, we love you. So Yes. Um, so that'll do it. That'll do it. For this that'll year episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Josh, why don't you tell us where people can find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet on Twitter at Josh Fuller 33 Fuller is spelled with no E. You can also find me on both Letterboxd and Instagram at Josh J. Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on the internet, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Letterboxd at Willis Film. <laughs> and if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on pixelsplitters.com. And you can find us on social on Instagram at Pixel Splitters, on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod, and on Letterbox at Pixel Splitters, where you can find all our recommendations. That's why I chuckled <laughs> earlier, including Hellraiser and the Birdcage. Um, I one of our yeah. more insane pairings. I think that's a crazy double feature. But you know yeah. what? <laughs> hey, there we go. That's the other place. Do. Yep. Um. All right. So that'll do it. Um, yeah. We'll be back again next week. Tune in on Sunday for Tuned In. Yeah. I need to start getting, saying like listen in on Sunday for Tuned In. Yeah, um, yeah. So I sound less insane. So- <laughs> but because uh, we got some fun stuff we've been watching this week. Oh, yeah. Willis has seen some very fun oh, stuff. <laughs> it's worth it's worth listening to. So, um, But there we go. Yeah. Um, let's bring it home. Josh, you want to take us out? Uh, yeah. End of pod. <laughs>